Hello! Hi. Hello. Hello? Hello. How do you hello? <laughs> Not like any of those. And welcome to another episode of Hidden Doors and High Scores, a podcast where four dudes talk about gaming. Today, we are going to be reviewing and awarding some of the best games of 2021. I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. I'm John. And I'm Chris. All right. So we're going to give you, you know, lowdown breakdown on some categories that we arbitrarily made up for games that came out in 2021. <laughs> Chris, you can't um, make us sound like a bunch of amateurs. <laughs> like we're 100% a bunch of amateurs. I haven't been paid a single cent for this. I'm therefore still an amateur. <laughs> we're going to go. Truth. These are 100% truth. I guess we're not going to do it sort of like in an award show style, but you should yeah. think of these as the awards that we're all giving out I mean, individually for certain games in these categories we've invented for 2021. So, Austin, you want to take it away? Yeah, absolutely. Like, the next part of the show, we're just, we're going to do a lowdown on a bunch of our favorite games of 2021 and kind of the standout winners of 2021 in our opinion. All right, so our first award is Best Visual Style of 2021. Who, who's got something to, to nominate? Well, first off, I think Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart deserves some kind of nod. It, it's like you're playing a Pixar movie. The, the graphics are insane, especially when you're going in between riffs. It just is so clean. It's on the PS5, so you can play it uh, 60 frames per second, which I know PC has been doing forever, but it just looks so much better. Uh, the gameplay, if you played the previous Ratchet and Clank, most of the weapons are clones. The gameplay is very similar. But it was pretty and felt like you were playing a Pixar movie. So, hey, that's good enough for best visual style. Uh, not one that any, any, most of you guys would play, but visually, I would have to say uh, Forza Horizon 5 is just visually. They do well every time they make a Forza game. I know it's not a game that, like... Is going to get many rewards. It's just a repeat after repeat. But visually, it's it's just very beautiful. Yeah, it does well if you've got a good monitor set up for it and something that can run in it, like high settings. Fantastic. It's, does it just have like ridiculous lighting effects? Yeah, like, everything. Cars like the cars look like real cars. Trees look like actual trees. Like the road and the water on the road, you can see a reflection of your car. Like if you've got a rig and something that can handle high qualities, then you're yeah, it's gorgeous. I don't think it necessarily would be best visual, but it's definitely a top, you know, a top contender for high high quality. For me, it's the new Pokemon Snap. I will say that with the caveat that I'm pretty drastically comparing it with the original Pokemon Snap on the N Nintendo 64. But since I have been fiending for a sequel to that ever since it came out 20 years ago, I loved 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 how the new pokemon snap game looked you know later we'll get into the gameplay but visually it was phenomenal the first the very first level of it you play you know this sort of like foresty beachy type of thing in the daytime at the very end of it you're in this field of flowers with all these pokemon in it and it was just 
dude, it absolutely blew my mind. It was everything I ever wanted from that game, and they nailed it. I mean, I think that's good and appropriate. If you're going to make a game that is literally just about taking pictures of Pokemon, it should be beautiful. Like, 100%. The, the, the visual should blow you away. So I'm glad to hear that they nailed that. Um, we'll probably mention this game a few times this show, but I just wanted to bring up It Takes Two. Uh, also, if you listened to our last episode, you know all about it. <laughs> uh, it Takes Two, uh, if you for some reason didn't listen to our last episode, is a two-player co-op game by Hazelight Studios. And uh, the thing about It Takes Two that makes it so wonderful is that every episode takes place in a totally different sort of uh, biome, a totally different area with totally different um, sort of audio and visual cues. So, you know, the first episode you're in like the workshop and in the, the second did I say episode in the first level you're in like a workshop and in the second level you're in the garden and in the third level you're like inside the kids play box those probably aren't the exact level order but you get what I'm saying like every level feels totally different and they just nailed the visuals for this game they are bright and fun and happy and I was actually just really impressed by all the different like textures and sort of ways they did different environments like like Cody is made of clay and May is made of wood and has like yarn for hair and all of those just like really pop and feel different and then in addition like every level you go to when you're in like the backyard and it's all swampy like they just did a good job making everything feel like wet and drippy and like muddy on the ground and I think uh I think the visuals really informed the gameplay the whole time through that game. And they really did a good job making everything feel different. Also, there's just a bunch of really cool camera angles in that game sometimes. Like, there's a part where you're in the clock tower and it, like, the camera, like, specifically shifts down to like make you look up at a clock face while you're, like, running along your thing. And you're, like, not platforming you're not puzzle solving or anything your characters are literally just running in a straight line and you are meant to look at this just like like landscape type of thing that is just beautiful and there's no reason for them to put that in the game other than to make it look cool let's do let's do another category let's do best new concept uh so i'll i'll talk about a game for this uh there's a game that came out this year kind of a, an indie title called Inscription. It is not spelled properly. It is in, spelled I-N-S-C-R-Y-P-T-I-O-N. Uh, so it's like in a crypt, like a mausoleum of dead bones or whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's probably too much detail. But Inscription is a really cool game. It is a game, I would say it's primarily a deck builder, but this is a single player game. You're not playing against other players. You're playing against the game. It has escape room elements. It has um, full FMV, like real world video in it of like a meta plot that's going on. Like the game you're playing is a guy playing the game. And then you get like YouTube videos that he's making throughout like exploring the game. And it's got a really cool story and the game changes multiple times without really spoiling anything. There's at least three 
entirely different games in this game. And I've never seen a game so flawlessly sort of combine different games into one cohesive like plot and like game structure as well as like building in these like sort of alternate reality game elements and escape room elements it's like nothing i've ever quite played daniel mullins made this game and he's made two other games pony island and the hex and he really likes to explore glitches and meta like software ideas in his games and i know that sounds weird but uh it's all very very interesting and cool and i'm not a software nerd so inscription really cool gameplay never seen anything quite like it really liked it also another really cool concept that came out this year it's a game called loop hero oh yeah Uh, totally agreed you are basically building a dungeon for the hero that keeps moving around in a circle to eventually fight a boss, but you're building a dungeon that gets more and more complex. And by making it more complex and harder, you're getting more rewards. Yeah, and there's like permanent upgrades that you're working towards. And you're like, you're basically rebuilding this whole world. But the gameplay is literally just you. There's a little knight and he's or she's running in a loop. And you just keep adding like more places for monsters to spawn and places for her to heal and things to this loop and sort of the more challenges and difficulties you give her if she survives she'll get better gear and better abilities and whatever but if you make it really easy then she won't be strong enough to like fight the final boss at the end so it's this game of like push and pull of like you want to make it as hard as possible but not kill her and i've just never seen a game designed quite like it it's really interesting i think this was a great idea for a game I want to see someone push it further. I would agree. There's there's not enough variety. I, I feel like once you figured out the correct way to play and the correct builds to go, it became pretty easy uh, and very repetitive. But I love the concept and I would love to see someone push this further. Yeah, I would totally agree. Like the There's not enough different types of terrain and things you can put in the loop to keep it fresh like you do unlock more as the game goes on but it just never varies enough to keep me going personally i could totally see how people get lost in it but i probably played like 10 hours and i was like okay that was enough yeah i i don't feel like i'm getting anything new out of it sadly it goes stale pretty fast speaking of games that get stale early uh should we move on to our next category the most forgettable game of 2021 and may i nominate nickelodeon all-star brawl oh yeah that was a game wasn't it 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 was a game that came out in 2021 it in fact you can still buy it i don't know why you would it's very horrible sorry for the nickelodeon all-star brawl fans out there this was clearly just a a, a grab on to you know trying to hang on to the super smash brothers ultimate coattails years after ssbu came out um yeah, the audience should with, note and may already know we are we love smash we play a lot of smash and so we were kind of excited about this and then as the game like started coming out and previews started coming out uh it was just clear that it wasn't really finished or polished or well done. And what was its greatest sin, Austin? Its greatest sin, and this is unforgivable, 
is you bring back all of these nostalgic childhood characters, right? That's the whole selling point of the game is I'm going to give you Nickelodeon characters. You remember Nickelodeon kids. You remember Hey Arnold and All Real Monsters and SpongeBob SquarePants. All right, we're going to put all your favorite characters in this game and we're going to make them fight each other. All right, great, great, great. Um, Now, when the characters use their moves on the screen or, uh, you know, hit each other, you would imagine that they would make sounds, perhaps even the sounds that they made as those characters. For example, SpongeBob, when he hits somebody, might go, ah, you know, and do his little laugh thing. Or, but uh, no, there are no voice lines. There are no goddamn voice lines. (laughs) (laughs) There's none. It's outrageous. They spent... Wait, so it's just silence when they hit? There's, yeah, I mean, there's like hit noises, like, or like, or whatever, but like, the characters don't say anything. That's insane. How much money did they spend licensing these characters, and they didn't put, they didn't hire voice actors, they didn't pay for the rights to the voice lines? They didn't get rights to the voice lines from the shows or anything, to the audio from the shows. The reason this game is terrible is because they entirely catered to the smash bros competitive scene without realizing that like 90 percent of the smash player base is the casual scene and they didn't think about the fact that those people are already pros at smash bros and aren't going to switch to a new game my nominee for most forgettable which was hyped massively because of twitch and amazon uh new world uh what happened it kind of fell flat on its face oh oh you mean the game that bricked everybody's gpus yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty unforgivable sin i think a lot of people were like you know i think i'll stay away yeah so that game i have to say we made a list and i can't believe we forgot to put that on the list (laughs) no i was literally thinking about like yeah i was that is the award for true truly the most forgettable game is the game (laughs) that you forget to even put on the list so, like, literally, you know, it's an Amazon game, so obviously they own Twitch. You would do expect it to be a game that people play, right? And, like, watch and follow? No. It's only got, like, 2,000 concurrent viewers. Like, it's pathetic. And they, they like, overhype the hell out of that game. Honestly, going into that game and realizing you had to pay real money to fast travel, I, I was done. I was out. Yeah, they had way too much pay-to-play game. They had way too much pay-to-play play gameplay. As of the day of this episode's recording... Their concurrent players is less than three percent of what their uh, peak was in September. <laughs> that's uh, that's a pretty bad fall off. I believe it. Yeah, so it you know it was that that would definitely be my my top one. I was like hyped for it. I was ready for it to come out last year. All right, let's move on to the next one. Let's jump into probably Chris's. Uh, you know, Chris will be the biggest one here because Chris is definitely our music guy. But uh, we'll go with best soundtrack. <laughs> Chris, what do you want to start us with here? The best soundtrack game for 2021 for me was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, let me say this, that I don't like this game. It wasn't fun. I Just because they have the money for the songs doesn't mean the <laughs> game's good. I don't like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I haven't watched a Marvel movie since the first Avengers one. And basically, wow. I hate everything about the idea of Marvel in Hollywood. This this soundtrack fucking slaps. It fucking slaps. And you know why? It's because the entire identity of Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the movie, is its soundtrack, which is just they listened to 
their local classic rock radio FM radio station for 20 minutes and made that into a playlist and put it into a movie. And guess what? Turns out classic rock FM radio has still got it fucking going on because they nailed it. The soundtrack for this game is not the same soundtrack for the movie, which is what makes it good because if it was, it would be boring and I would be over it, but it's not. It's just other things of the same era and genre that are great. And that's all I have to say about that. I mean, I'm looking through the play. I'm looking through it right now, and there's there it's is so some, good. There's some there's some freaking slappers here. Like, wow, yeah, I, I, yeah. Agreed. I'm looking at it too. It's it looks good. As far as soundtracks go, I w- I will say that I probably differentiate it from a score in the way that I wouldn't compare this to like It Takes Two. Right, that makes sense. It Takes Two created music for their game. Guardians of the Galaxy is just picking songs that are already made. But that is kind of what the definition of a soundtrack is and so for me this is the best guardians of the galaxy is the best soundtrack although i will say that i love the music in it takes two if you listen to our previous episode of hidden doors and high scores you will listen to me wax poetic <laughs> about the composition of the it takes two soundtrack and score but yeah as far as like if you're going to put the songs from a game in a spotify playlist and have to listen to it start to finish it's guardians of the galaxy no question yeah that makes sense another one i would say for best score this past year is the game returnal oh i agree with you i think they did such a good job with it especially there's a fourth boss in the game where he plays the organ while you have to fight him and he shoots bullets out of the organ but as you're on the level leading up to him the organ slowly fades in louder and louder. Oh, I and loved that. The music gets more intense, uh, more organ added to the score where you don't even hear the organ at the beginning of that level. Uh, such a creative way to do a boss fight. And for that alone, the score was amazing. But the themes that start playing when you approach the house, like, yeah, it's really good. It's really atmospheric and it builds really well. But overall, the score for that game just perfectly fit the game. When you build a game around a soundtrack that evolves as you get into a game, it's just it, it makes you just so much more immersed into the game. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah thousand percent. I, it takes two just the same thing. <clears throat> Returnal, yeah, it, just any of those games. I one hundred percent. Those games have incredible, incredible scores and soundtracks, and yeah, that that fit those games in a way that really nothing else could. All right, so best soundtracks, we're, those were our, our best ones that we went on. Our next one we're going to go to is our best co-op experience for last year. Awesome, I got, take it away. I got, Wait, what do you... I got three words for you, John. Okay. It takes two. <laughs> I, I, you know, if you listen to our last episode, you might think we like the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely the best co-op game of last year. It might be the best co-op game of all time. Pretty much just listen to our last episode. We go into a lot more detail. It it wins this category. Let's move on. All right, let's move on. Our next category is good idea, bad execution. And I think there's quite a few games that'll fall into this category. Uh, Lots of times game developers come to their games with a really good idea for a concept for a game, and then they just screw up uh, some aspect of the game and make it not fun to play. So I uh, I will throw my ring in the hat here with Deathloop's only Deathloop's multiplayer component. I think Deathloop's single player um, was pretty well executed. It could have been a little more nuanced, but yeah, I'm not going to 
pick nits. It was a pretty fun single player. The multiplayer was a freaking mess, top to bottom, from extremely long wait times to getting kicked out of people's servers to people in your server, like, glitching around and not having their hit detection work right. The leveling up system in it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. I guess for anyone who doesn't know about Deathloop, you're, it's a roguelike, so you're, it's a first-person shooter, you're going through and you're trying to, like, kill people, and then if you die, you wake up and you sort of start the game over. You start, like, the level over, but you keep all your knowledge of things and you keep some permanent upgrades. And then the cool part about this game is they added this multiplayer where someone else can, like, come into your world and try and kill you, and you can kill them. And if you kill them, then you get a bunch of rewards. But if they kill you, you start your loop over. And it's a bad thing to happen. It's a harsh consequence. But the AI in the game were so uninteresting that, like, playing against a real person was really exciting. It just never worked well. Yeah, the big problem was they built the whole game around that interaction. And when that interaction didn't work, everything else in the game felt off. Because the enemy difficulty was not that high because you had to worry about Joanna the whole game which is the multiplayer force that's coming in. So without that whole component working, the game either felt too easy. Yeah, yeah, totally. But man, when the game's working right, some of the most fun is some of the interactions you have between that other multiplayer player and trying to beat the level at the same time. Dude, I was going to say the exact same thing. I would say the highlights of this game were when somebody invaded my world or when I invaded somebody else's and we had an epic ass battle where we were fighting it off on the rooftops and then I went invisible and went behind them and laid a trap and then killed them or they did it to me and like snuck up on me and stabbed me while I was trying to trap them. Amazing. Such cool moments in that game. They were just so uh, outnumbered by really, really shitty moments of being in the middle of a combat and then they would just like, vanish from your world and disappear because of a connection error and you're like oh cool i would just kind of reiterate on what we said earlier about most forgettable with new world i mean they had a great thing going i mean like i said amazon amazon's got stupid money they could have made a fantastic brilliant game and they had a good structure and an idea of it but then when they started just doing the pay to play it just it terrible 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 Yeah, it was a cool idea. Like, the story was interesting about, like, uh, this, like, you know, sort of forbidden continent that they're getting to, and it's basically colonial America, but that, you know, it had this kind of cool supernatural element, and they had, like, the faction system where they're, like, trying to take over different areas of the world map, and, like, that affects the prices for things, and, like... Yeah, and I love the crafting in that game. Yeah, the crafting mechanic was interesting, but, boy, they just, they missed the mark with a few things. I'll just also add that Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, uh, not necessarily specifically that game, but just every Pokemon game, every generation gets remade every once in a while, and I just don't get it. Like, it's just, just stop. Just make a new it's, game. I mean, it's a, it's a money printer at this point. No, I get it. Going. I get it. And and then, like, there's, like, what they do is, like, they they, you know, they add you know, more recent generations, Pokemons or mechanic or whatever to, to an older generation to change up the gameplay or I guess, I don't know, but just 
come on, dude, make a new game. I mean, I totally agree with you, but this one was especially bad. This one was terrible. Here's to hoping Pokemon Arceus feels different and good. Uh, what's next? Biggest disappointments for 2021. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just start out there. I'll let Chris touch on his game because I know what he wants to touch on. But mine's going to be back for blood. I was hyped. I, you know, because I love Left 4 Dead. The studio killed it with Left 4 Dead. I was like, oh, hell yeah. A new style Left 4 Dead. Let's go. It came out. I Yeah terrible I, I just think literally the most terrible. fun i had in that game was killing each other in the practice range before the game started oh it was in the practice <laughs> range before you launched a mission yeah it was just freaking trolling your trolling your teammate because they had no idea what was going on and they kept fucking dying and they're like what the fuck why do i keep getting killed <laughs> yeah you can tell there's a there's a running theme with us and when we're playing co-op games together the most fun we have is murdering each other yeah we just we love to troll each other and just mess but, around i you know it takes two we kill each other when the missions and but there's a difference between that when like comparing it to deep Rock galactic right where sure like, the most yeah. fun we have playing that game is not playing the game and it's because yeah it's because playing the game is so enjoyable and then there's this extra stuff on top of it that makes yeah, it it's like an extra like, mode whereas back for blood like legitimately was just not fun to play and the only reason yeah. we were having fun is because of like our personalities right yeah killing each other is funny to us and if that's not funny to your specific group that you're playing with you're not having fun playing that game yeah but it was very disappointing i think we were all excited for a new four-player co-op that was going to be a fun uh sequel to left for dead and we just got left for dead again and we were like well that's that's not fun that's not worth it you gotta do you gotta give me something new and exciting biggest disappointment garrett so anyone who bought a ps5 at launch might have been hyped for this game. It was a game called Destruction All-Stars. It originally was going to be a launch game. Then they pushed it back. Then they made it free to everyone who had PlayStation Plus, which was already a bunch of red flags. But it looked really cool. It looked like a twisted metal type game. Every every character was this cool cartoony guy and they all had different abilities. But essentially, the game was just drive around and hit the other cars and your ability essentially makes your car hit a little harder. No guns or anything, just hit cars. And they tried to make it a competitive game. It just didn't work. It was very boring. I really tried to get into it. It was just bad. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Chris, what you got to say? <sighs> okay. This might make a lot of people mad. Halo Infinite is not only a bad game, it's not a game. Huge it's, disclaimer. Garrett just got up from his computer huge. and just walked. He literally just walked out of frame. Huge disclaimer. Huge disclaimer. This is Chris's personal opinion. This is not the group's opinion. <laughs> it's Go half on. a game. It's half a right. game. It's not even completed. This is okay. This is my entire problem with like the video game industry as a whole right now is like the beta release bullshit that everybody's doing with microtransactions and all this bullshit, right? That like th these developers are just not making games and then selling it to people and stupid idiots buy it. And then Chris, they're making 60% of a game, <laughs> they're making it. Easily 40% of a game, maybe. <laughs> There's uh, okay. no campaign! 
They didn't well, make a campaign. Now. There is now, two months after the game came out, there still isn't a co-op campaign, which has always been the best thing about the Halo games. And I totally agree. And what I just, I can't play the game anymore. I literally cannot. The only way to play the game is to just play online with people. Halo Online multiplayer used to be so much fun because it was the same maps and everybody got the same access. And the only thing that made you better than somebody else was your skill at the game. And now they have just gone away with that. They've gone to the Call of Duty model where just the more you play, you just automatically win more. And it is bullshit. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, I, I will say there are there are game modes on multiplayer that are pure skill. There's still a SWAT. I think it's called Team Tactical. And that game is fun as fuck. It's the only game mode that I really like. Did it exist when the game was originally launched? No, no it didn't. Again. No, it again, did not. Again, they're, they're, Stop they're launching... releasing unfinished games, you fuckers. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. No one no one will no one will judge that one. So I know a lot of games have done this where they make a lot of promises and they just don't fulfill like Anthem I can think of. Uh, but how much did this game cost when it was released? Okay, Halo multiplayer they charged was charged nothing. You know why? Because they weren't <laughs> releasing a fucking game. <laughs> I mean, yes, I completely agree. They should have never released the full campaign until they had everything completely done. But I also love that literally anyone can play this for free and just do the multiplayer and just never touch the campaign and just don't touch, just don't pay anything. Yeah, they released it free to play with, you know, with pay for cosmetics. Yeah, free to just a free to play only multiplayer with no campaign, no extra modes, like all these other things that should have been in the game that would be a complete game that every other Halo game before this has been. And they didn't do that, and they didn't do it intentionally because they knew people would spend money on the battle pass, and they, they knew people yeah. would spend money later on the campaign, even with all the bullshit that they've been doing for years. What that is my problem done, with this game. They should have done as they should have waited till everything was completed and they were ready for full release. But obviously, they were getting pushed. But no, we're gonna stop there. We're gonna stop no. there. Yeah, we gotta move on. You want me to? You want me to scream into a microphone for forty God minutes? I will. <laughs> no, no. Um, Austin, go ahead. What's best sequel remake of twenty twenty one? This is a very clear winner for me. Psychonauts two. Psychonauts two. Yeah. Oh my goodness! What a wonderful sequel. Uh, all game developers in the world, take note. This is how you make a sequel. You don't deviate from the original game you follow up on the original timeline you expand that original story and you keep what made the gameplay fun and you just expand and add a few new things you add some new powers some really cool new creative levels you add some fun new characters and you don't spend your whole time going back to nostalgia for the old game you just make a good new game in the same style and Oh my god, Psychonauts 2 was so much fun. Whether you played the first one or not, this game totally stands on its own. It is a platformer and kind of a collect-a-thon. There's lots of fun stuff to discover in every level. The cool thing about this is the whole concept is you are a bunch of like psychic kids in a psychic training camp. And the way that 
the levels play out is you go into somebody's mind and so everybody's mind is different you go into a dentist's mind and everything is made of like teeth and tongues and it's kind of disgusting and weird and you go into a gardener's mind and everything is like plants and growing and the way that you move around is by you know watering things to make them grow and things like that every level feels really unique and the game is just full of puns and hilarious little wordplay jokes and if you like puns about brains and minds you can't go wrong with Psychonauts 2. If you like platformers, got a little retro feel to it. Fantastic game. Highly, highly recommend. If you are a fan of like Donkey Kong 64 or Banjo-Kazooie, it's going to have that same kind of vibe to it. You're going around exploring and finding secrets and definitely best remake for a game that came out in 2005. They did an incredible job. Highly recommend. I have two for this. In terms of best remake, I felt Diablo Resurrected was an amazing way to keep the essence of the original, but put in a bunch of quality of life additions that make the game run smoother. And I love the toggle between being able to play what the old graphics look like to now and just seeing how terrible they were. But in terms of best sequel, I would have to say Hitman 3. Uh, the Hitman games have always been really fun. They're kind of a sandbox game where you have to figure out how to kill your target. And there's definitely a training wheels way where you figure out stuff about the level and you can kill it in the way the game wants you to, or you can just kind of, you know where the guy's going to be already from other playthroughs and just kind of figure out your own way to kill. I have to say the reason I loved Hitman 3 so much is you, if you have any save data from any of the previous games, you get the entire backlog of games and levels in this one game which is nice because all the older games are upscaled to PS5 graphics. And it's really neat to either replay or play some of the ones I've never played because they're all these beautiful, huge landscapes that you really just get to mess around with. But the level that really makes this game shine is there's a Victorian household where you have to kill two members of this family and there is a whole mystery behind one of the members of the family just died. When you first get to the level, you see a detective and you can take out the detective, steal his clothes, and then you are actually de the detective in this murder mystery. And you have to deduce who killed which person. And it's very entertaining to go through and question the people. And it feels like a completely different game. Yeah, they just put a ton of time into that level and all the levels in all these games. They just put so much time into some things you'll never even see unless you go this whole story path. And I think this game does what every good sequel does. It has all the elements of the original games and just improves upon it. So let's come to the final three awards of the year, which is basically best game of the year. And we just broke it up by sort of price category, price point. First category is best budget game. This is $20 or less. I have my game, I talked about Inscription earlier, that costs $20, and I think if you are a fan of puzzle games at all, if you are a fan, if you used to play Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh! back in the day, you're going to love this game. And if you're a fan of like escape rooms and logic puzzles like that, you're also going to love this game. Highly recommend for $20. And I mean... I know Chris obviously hates it, but uh, honestly, the Halo Infinite for yeah. free multiplayer, it, it's great. It, it 
it brings back the Halo, the Halo days of old with Halo Three, Halo Two online play. It's fun. Some of the things are terrible. Matchmaking is is kind of iffy at times, but it's still you can't really beat free for a multiplayer game. It's free. It, it's fun. You can't be free. You can't beat the fact that anyone you've played Halo with in the past can download this game for free and immediately start playing it with you. I've played with so many people that I haven't played games with in years, and it's been free. right. So. I mean, those are kind of our two $20 or less. There's not many of the $20 or less, but next we'll jump into the best of the rest, $20 to $50 games. Uh, Chris? It's It Takes Two, and there's no other option. <laughs> Agreed. Yep, yep. he's right. There, there, there is no option between that $20 to $50 price point. It's the best game of 2021, it, and it's cheaper than every game that's more expensive than it. <laughs> like, 100%. like, it's better than yeah. every game that costs $60. So it's the best one between $20 and $50. Best $60 release. Uh, Austin's got his opinions on these ones. I think Returnal is the standout AAA game of the year. Unfortunately, only available for PlayStation 5 owners. Uh, they're definitely some of the games we've talked about here were in the running. But for me, Returnal was a really, really standout experience. We didn't really get into it, but it's yeah, it's a roguelike. You are it's a third person shooter, um, so it feels like I don't know, like Gears of War or Mass Effect or something with the shooting. But way the combat is high energy, and like you have to constantly be moving, and so the combat is fast and furious and really, really fun. And the number of different weapons and the different upgrades for them are just a ton of fun. I think for 60 bucks, if you have a PlayStation 5, you cannot miss Returnal. You're going to have a ton of fun playing it. The story is a bunch of gobbledygook and it doesn't end well. But don't worry about that because fighting all the monsters and bosses is so good that it doesn't matter. Also, I'd like to add that uh, the haptic feedback in the PS5 controller, when it clicks down... There's like a half click and a full click, and it's one of the best applications of the controller so far, I think. So if you own a PS5, I I think it's the best game on there right now. For me, the best $60 release this year was Metroid Dread. It was the sequel to Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance that I have wanted ever since that game came out. Everything that encompasses that. It's just exactly Metroid Fusion 2. That's what I've wanted for years. They nailed it. Yeah, I never played Fusion, but I played Super Metroid, and this felt like a spiritual successor to that, and it was very well executed. I really enjoyed Dread. Yeah, and I'm going to say the $60 release is going to be uh, Psychonauts 2. It's fantastic. It's a well-made game. They capitalized on a fantastic original release of the game and just ran with it, and they killed it. So those are our, uh, those are kind of our rewards for what we think is uh, 2021 in a whole overall game of the year my vote it takes two no question yep, yep. i agree second I, it, it takes two killed it it was just the best game for the year all around yep what are we looking forward to playing in 2022 fellas well the soonest one is elden ring yeah i mean definitely elden ring we're all we're all forward looking yeah, we all one. just pre- we all just pre-ordered elden ring this week so <laughs> <laughs> coming for yeah especially coming from chris who doesn't who will not pre-order things chris i hate pre-ordering so. things i hate the idea of pre-ordering <laughs> um, things and i did it because garrett told me to and you won't be disappointed so i'm gonna just jump the one i'm most excited for is because we when we played the beta we i, I loved it it's great it's a great concept is valheim it is a fantastic game. I loved it. It was just great. We I dumped 70 hours or plus into a beta 
of a game that was just like uh, open world. Just I, it was just fun. It was mindless fun that you can do when you're bored and you just have nothing else you want to play. Valheim is my anticipated game of the year. Yeah, I think Valheim, just to jump on that train very quickly, the only reason Valheim isn't in any of our other categories that we just talked about is because it's still in early access right now and we're only reviewing stuff that's full release. Valheim was an absolute standout, amazing game this uh, that came out this year in early access, but is going to full release next year. I'm also super excited for that. My game that I'm probably most excited for in 2022 is God of War Ragnarok. I am currently replaying uh, God of War since it just released on the PC. It's been a PlayStation exclusive for a while and it just released on PC. Replaying that game, having a ton of fun, and cannot wait to see what kind of crazy, epic, amazing boss fights they do in Ragnarok. I have heard that there's a Cuphead DLC coming out later this year. If you guys don't know what Cuphead is, it's a like 1920s, 1930s Disney style cartoon as a difficult platforming game that mainly relies on boss fights and the boss fights feel like its own cartoon. They they do such a good job with music, animation that they're just really fun games and I'm excited to see whatever they're putting out as the DLC. Totally agree. Yeah. So yeah, that's coming in June. So I'm really excited for that. What about you, Chris? What are you looking forward to? For me, Epic announced in May of 2021 that Unreal Engine 5 was sort of in early access and being developed and all of their properties that sort of use that as their physics engine are going to be migrating to it and so for me the thing i'm most anticipating is rocket league moving to unreal engine 5 i i'm not really sure how it's going to affect the gameplay in terms of like moment to moment sort of like experience but apparently on the back end it's going to there's going to be quite a lot of changes to um how Rocket League works sort of online and interactively and with um, sort of like the, there's a huge Rocket League sort of modding community, like like custom map making and stuff. And I've seen some things from some of the, the bigger uh, entities in that realm that um, are pretty excited about the the capabilities that unreal engine 5 is going to unlock for them so rocket league and ue5 rocket league and unreal 5 is is my thing for potentially 2022 maybe we'll see definitely thought you were going to say breath of the wild 2 oh i mean also breath of the wild 2 well but here's the but i breath of the wild 2 was supposed to come out three years ago so like yeah (laughs) for whenever it comes that it fellas that's that's all we're talking about I think that's a great way to wrap up is what we're looking forward to next year. All right. That's going to do it for us here at Hidden Doors and High Scores. You can find us at HDHS Gaming on all social media platforms. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for notifications for when our new episodes are going to be releasing. Check us out on Twitch to see what we're playing and talking about. All those links and a link to our Discord will be in the show notes for this episode. Come join us on Discord, send us questions, comments, concerns, whatever. Hop in our voice channels, hang out with us. We hang out, play games there like every night when people Tell join Tell us in. what your favorite games from 2021 were. Yeah, please do. Uh, we could always use more games to be playing. Always give us recommendations for stuff that's going to be coming out next year for us to review. That's it. Go away. All right. Until next time, I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. I'm John. And I'm Chris.
keep dippling those babs. Peace.